Good morning. Today we're going to spend some time in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28, with a sermon entitled, It's Only Words. The scripture says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. A few years ago, Ramona Kramer Tucker wrote an article for Today's Christian Woman and where she writes about a moment that her friend uh, Michelle wishes, wishes that she could relive, a moment that she regrets. Uh, Michelle and Sharon were together at a business luncheon in a restaurant and they took a break to go to the powder room uh, to work on their makeup and while they were in there uh, fixing their makeup they started talking and their conversation took kind of a sinister turn. Before long, they found themselves mired in gossip. In fact, um, they started lambasting a co-worker that apparently was driving them and some other folks in the office crazy. As um, Tucker wrote, for two full minutes, they talked about the problem person. And then it got quiet and the silence was interrupted by the familiar sound of a bathroom stall opening. And they glanced up and looked in the mirror and they saw the person that they had been talking about, Beth, with an embarrassed, angry, red-faced uh, posture storming out of the room. Michelle never saw Beth again, and Beth never came back to work. She simply resigned. Here's what Tucker wrote. While other staff members cheered what seemed to be good news, Michelle felt miserable. She wished she had talked to Beth instead of talking about Beth. Now, as I retell that story, what side of that story do you immediately relate to? Do you relate to Michelle's side of the story or do you relate to Beth's? In other words, have you found yourself indulging in gossip? Maybe saying, oh, it's only words. Or have you felt the sting of finding out about somebody else gossiping about you? Or maybe both, probably both. Which side of that story, which embarrassment pops for you? Is it the embarrassment of the person caught gossiping or the embarrassment of the person finding out what her co-workers really think about her? Well, most of us struggle with wishing we could take our words back and most of us have been frustrated when someone else has said something about us that's not true or inappropriate or even if it is true and even if it is appropriate it still hurts well if you find yourself on the front end of the problem in other words that you find yourself often indulging in gossiping then the first part of this message is going to be important for you. If you find yourself on the latter end, the person being gossiped about, 
the message is going to help with some suggestions of what you can do uh, to help in those situations. Uh, what you can do, what is a good Christian response to someone gossiping about you. And so first, the first thing we want to look at, though, is we just want to establish that gossip is a dangerous thing. It's only words. What's the big deal about gossip? Well, our text makes it pretty clear. Gossip destroys friendships. In another proverb, one found in chapter 20, verse 19, it warns against even associating with a gossip. It says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. In other words, no water cooler talk for you if, if it devolves into gossip. You have to walk around away. Don't be a person that even associates with someone that is prone to gossip. The reason for this is it is something that destroys people's lives. It destroys the life of the person doing the gossiping. It can also destroy uh, the person being gossiped about, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, and it can destroy the lives of those that are participating in it. What's the big problem about gossip? Well, I can think of a couple of things. For instance, it sows seeds of doubt in another person's mind. Proverbs 6:19 says, A false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord among the brothers. In other words, the gossip makes me begin to doubt someone else's credibility and character. And so when I participate in gossip and I listen to gossip about someone else, a negative idea is just planted there. And even if uh, you argue with me and tell me I'm wrong about someone, those words that I'm speaking or the words that I'm hearing linger and they, they form a doubt in the back of my mind. And if I involve three or four other people in the gossip, before you know it, we've got a majority opinion. It becomes fact because it goes from, did you hear, to everyone is saying. And when we get wrapped up in gossip, before long, what began as, I think this may be happening, becomes definitely this is happening. And it becomes the accepted verdict about someone's character. Proverbs 18.8 says, What dainty morsels rumors are, but they sink deep into one's heart. Gossip is a big deal when the words sink deep into someone's heart. Suddenly, a passing thought that's articulated and is repeated becomes somebody else's brand. It becomes their identity. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate it when people trivialize and minimize my existence by doing that to me. Don't you hate it when they do that to you? If we hate it, then it's certainly not appropriate for us to participate in it. You know, the truth is that it doesn't always take gossip, outright gossip, to sow discord. It can be just a raised eyebrow or words that, uh, words that are left unspoken. I don't know how long ago it was. If I, if I gave a, a, a date, then you'd figure out how old I am. 
probably about 30 years ago, I was uh, pastoring a church where I had an assistant uh, that um, uh, did uh, some uh, gossiping, and it was well known in the church that this employee did that. And so I, uh, I did my best to manage it, and I was trying to follow my understanding of labor laws, and I wrote it up and called the person into my office and, and talked about the behavior and how it's unacceptable, and I don't want to hear about it happening again. I had two offenses in my file and said, with the third offense, this could mean termination. And uh, the employee looked very defensive, but was respectful. And I really thought that I had nipped the problem in the bud. But um, one afternoon, I found out that uh, following what I thought was the right procedures of being a supervisor, it kind of ended up biting me because she was finding out, this employee was finding out uh, that I was watching her with this, and now there, it kind of gets turned to where uh, some attacks were coming my way. And you got to hand it to her the way she did this. I got a call from a leader in the church telling me about a conversation he had had with this administrative assistant that morning. He was trying to get a hold of me, and, and guys, this was long enough ago that cell phones uh, weren't uh, commonplace. They were around, but certainly not commonplace. Well, it was mid-morning, and I hadn't come into the office yet, and her response to this key leader was, oh, he hasn't come into the office yet today. Absolutely true. It was mid-morning, hadn't come to the office yet, what this employee said was accurate information. Problem is, it wasn't truthful because it left the employee, uh, it, it, the employee left the uh, impression that I was goofing off, that I hadn't showed up to work yet. And she felt, uh, full well knew uh, that I had met somebody for an early breakfast and went to make a visit after that. In other words, I'd gone to work long before the office opened and uh, just because I wasn't sitting behind a desk didn't mean I wasn't working. Well, the leader in the church knew what was happening and was calling to just let me know that was what was going on. Uh, in other words, a raised eyebrow, incomplete information, there's more than one way to leave a bad impression about someone. And in this case, I was a victim of it. And those stories a little bit easier to tell than times that I victimize others. I'm sure you can understand that with the same kind of behavior. Uh, this is a tempting thing for any of us and all of us to do if we're not careful. Well, this, the problem of this kind of behavior is that it destroys friendships and it sows discord. But not just that it also assassinates a person's character. Ezekiel 22 and 9 says, Slanderous men have been in you for the purpose of shedding blood, and uh, in you they have eaten at the mountain shrines. In your midst they have committed acts of lewdness. Shedding blood? That's pretty strong language. But that is metaphorically what happens when we destroy somebody's character with our loose tongue. In Psalm 31 and 13, David said, I've heard the many rumors about me, and I'm surrounded by terror. 
My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take away my life. In David, the warrior king, King David, felt threatened by what other people were saying about him. Gossip is dangerous. Yes, gossip is dangerous, but you can choose not to victimize others. Even if this is a strong temptation in your life, you can choose not to participate in victimizing other people. I, I don't know that I have a single piece of advice for how to cure yourself of gossip, but I do have uh, some suggestions. The first thing that I want to suggest uh, from Scripture is maybe it would be good to just lighten up a little bit. Remember that everybody, including you, makes mistakes, and it's not necessary to put a spotlight on the mistakes that other people make and to spread it around. Proverbs 17 and 9 says, Disregarding another person's faults preserves love, and telling about them separates close friends. Um, I, I think the rule of thumb is if it's important enough that it needs to be talked about, then talk about it with the person, not about the person. Even the very best we have to offer is flawed. Next time that you watch the best picture from the 1959 Academy Awards, Ben-Hur, look for the tracks during the chariot races that are left behind by the camera trucks. Or when you put the 89 winner driving Miss Daisy when you download it from your streaming service or put it into a DVD player if you still have one. Pause the picture when the Alabama police questions the driver. You'll look real close and you'll see that the Alabama police officer is wearing a Georgia patch on his sleeve. And the 2001 winner? A Beautiful Mind has a scene where the Nobel Prize speech is given on the podium is the word noble, N-O-B-L-E, instead of Nobel, N-O-B-E-L. Even best pictures have mistakes in them. Even great sermons have mistakes in them. Uh, we all make mistakes, and I think I think it's good advice if we'll just lighten up a little bit and realize that we are human and we make mistakes and so does everyone else around us. You know, there's a tendency that we're very quick to overlook our own faults and yet very astute at pointing out the faults of others. So one thing you can do is just lighten up a little bit, realize that everybody makes mistakes and when you point them out, try to be helpful and not demeaning. The second thing you can do is, well, just stop it. Uh, Proverbs 26.20 says, Fire goes out for lack of fuel, and quarrels disappears when gossip stops. Uh, what I try to do is imagine the person I'm talking about when I'm about to unleash standing in the room. Imagining that they're in the bathroom stall, so to speak, uh, that would I feel comfortable saying what I'm about to say if that person was there? And uh, if I don't, then I need to just be quiet. Because if they were in, within earshot, then it would embarrass me. Uh, like it was with the story I told you at the beginning of the message between Beth and Michelle. 
that I'm better off just backing out of it. According to Tucker, uh, summing up that, uh, that encounter, she wrote, the situation between Beth and Michelle happened five years ago at the time of the writing of the article. Michelle's never forgotten it. She tried to reach Beth several times by phone, then wrote her a letter of apology, but Beth never responded. Michelle said she learned her lesson about loose lips the hard way. What's worse is that Michelle feels that she compromised her Christianity. She's a Christian, and she knows that Beth is not. And now maybe her behavior is becoming a stumbling block in Beth's personal growth that she needs, but also her spiritual growth that could come from knowing Christ as her Savior. So what do we do when we get caught gossiping? Well, one of the things we do is we repent. We apologize. When we make a mistake, and all of us will, we own up to it. You know, I, th I think that most people, even though he's passed away several years ago, will remember the name Billy Graham, who was a, a, a beloved America's evangelist for many years and uh, was really thought of as the flagship of integrity. Um, he was heard uh, when the tapes from Nixon was released the first week in 2002 in March. He was heard on one of the tapes, Graham saying something that he regretted, where he repeated something about Jewish people saying that uh, they had a stranglehold on the American media and that it needed to be broken for the sake of the country. When the tapes were made public, Graham immediately apologized for his remarks. He didn't deny them. He said he couldn't recall making them, but he heard the tape. Uh, though many people were shocked that uh, Billy Graham would say something like that. Few people would call him a bigot. And I think most people came to a point where they were able to forgive him for his mistake. I don't know, that's person by person, I suppose. Um, but we all make mistakes, and when we make those mistakes, even grievous mistakes like that one, we repent, we apologize, we repent, and we don't do it again. Controlling our speech is a lingering challenge even for righteous people uh, like Billy Graham. It's a challenge for all of us. That's what James writes about in his book about how deadly the tongue, how powerful the tongue can be. So gossip is dangerous and we can make the choice not to victimize others, but what happens when others have gossiped about us. Well, you don't have to be a victim of gossip. Whenever gossip occurs, occurs and you are on the receiving end of it, then we need to follow Scripture in responding to it. We need to respond, but we need to be gentle in our response. 1 Corinthians 4.13 says, we respond gently when evil things are said about us. 
Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. Let me read that again. We respond gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's trash, the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. Uh, That's from the New Living Translation. We respond gently. Uh, whenever I, um, I experience a moment like this, my first reaction is to lash out, to be defensive. But with some uh, discipline, I can take a deep breath, I can pray a prayer, and I can give a kind response back in return. The second thing we can do is not give gossips ammunition. 1 Peter 3.16 says, But you must do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak evil about you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. It is important that we live up to the words that we say, and it's equally important that we don't live up to the evil words that other people say about us. And then the third response when we're a victim of gossip is we forgive. Jesus said, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In the same way that we are forgiving, forgive us. We live in a time that requires a gentler tone. There's enough incendiary uh, rhetoric taking place in our culture, across social media, at protests, and in other places. This is a time for us to be disciplined and to speak only what is true and to always speak it in a kind way. The last thing the world needs right now is followers of Christ engaging in gossip of other people or of one another for that matter. This is a time for restraint. This is a time for prayer. This is a time to give a kind word because when we are kind, we turn away wrath. Some may respond by saying, Preacher, are you saying people should just walk all over me and I should let that happen? Well, no, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that in your response back, uh, be kind. If it's not true and they're not being rational and they don't have a basis in fact about what they're saying, then presenting them with facts isn't going to help anyway. Um, one of the best strategies is not to even try to answer your critics, especially when they're being like, your friends will defend you. You don't necessarily have to. But your response should be measured, it should be kind, and it should be dripping in love. My prayer is that every one of us will learn to be more disciplined in our speech. It's only words? No. 
No, it's not only words. Words matter. Words matter. Don't believe me? What about the last time your child said, I love you, to you? Did those words matter? What about the last time that you were discouraged and someone said a word of encouragement to you? Did those words matter? You see, we lie when we say words don't matter. They do. They matter because they betray the heart. And when our heart is being betrayed, may our words betray our love for one another and our commitment to truth. God bless you. I love you and I look forward to the next time we can see each other.